I don't ask anybody's question but yours. Is he in? He is! Dungey with another touchdown run! Because you're an idiot. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. And really, a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to. Ennis, two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! Well, I guess this is an NIT season after all, Tyler Aki. Tim Leonard, Tyler Aki, locked on Syracuse every single day. And now we get to recap basically the season-ending loss for Syracuse. 90-66, to 66, I think, was the final score. It was so bad, so It's deflating. irrelevant what the final score was, Tim. It really it, is. It was brutal, Tyler. I've never been so deflated watching a Syracuse game, at least in recent memory, because to me, this was them just getting exposed. This was the lack of recruiting, the lack of talent they have coming to the forefront. Louisville's a team that has talent. They're at home. They were due for one of these double-digit losses. Have a guy that was in your own backyard, too, at one point. Yeah, that stings. And Jordan Wara, who does bounce back in this game, grew up in Buffalo, mom in Syracuse. Syracuse reportedly never offered him. Add that to the laundry list of missed recruits, I guess you could say. But the biggest thing is they just don't have a center. And that's been the thing all season long, and now it's coming to a head. And look, we'll get into Jim Boeheim's electric post-game press conference where he was... Maybe We're diving even angrier. in. Yeah, we are diving right in. He was on another planet. He went long. I think it was almost 14 minutes. He was attacking Ken Pomeroy. He was attacking, a little bit attacking Mike Waters of Syracuse.com, called him paranoid at one point. If you haven't seen the full press conference, check it out, but we will play you the main bits from it. But Spin the hits. Start, yeah, we're going to play the hits here. To start out, what to you was the biggest takeaway? Because for me, this was just Syracuse getting exposed they did not have the talent to play with the Louisville team that's a top 10 team in the country but still that was an embarrassing performance I think this kind of shows you what this team really was I mean not not to go all Dennis Green here but they are who we kind of thought they were I mean Mm -hmm. this is a team that when you look at what they were a season ago and they bring back a number of pieces but they could not score the ball and they were exposed in that department. This is a team that has lived and died by the three point shot this season. Okay. And when you are not shooting the three point ball, well, you have zero chance to win. And the way that your defense has played, talk about picking holes through this team. Wow. That second half, when you're letting a Louisville team, I mean, granted they are a very good team and and take no credit away from what the Cardinals did tonight because rather last night, because they were phenomenal. But when you're letting a team score almost 50 on you, you can't go blow for blow like that, especially when you yourself are shooting two of 13 in the second half from three, okay? You, you have zero chance to win a game like that. And it's frustrating, too, because when you look at what Syracuse had in this game, Buddy Beheim slow start, but he eventually picks it up midway through that first half. And it's good to see him get a little bit of confidence, yeah. get back into double digits. But you need... To have everyone going, it seems like. When you have a team of essentially six guys, you need everyone to be on their A game every single night. And Jim talked about the depth ad nauseum in this press conference. And it's a real problem, okay? Because forget whatever he said post-game because I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. You need depth to win. And I know we've talked about how Mike Bray has said, okay, depth is underrated in practice and overrated in games. Th- these guys are not right out there. Something is off. 
you are seeing the dead legs now and, and the result of not having enough bodies out there to go for your night in and night out. Let's get into what Jim said about the tiredness, about the death real quick. He does drop an expletive here. He was unhinged in this postgame press conference. But let's start with that one here on Soundcheck because that is interesting, and I disagree with him on what he says here. Somebody also wrote that we're tired at the end of the games. We're not tired. These guys are not tired. The only guys that's a little tired is, is Quincy because he hasn't played as many minutes. But the guys that have been playing all year are not tired. Gillespie and, and Bay from Villanova play 40 minutes every night. Hard as Did you ever, they ever ask them, about, are they tired? If you can't play 40 minutes in college basketball, then you're not in shape and you're, you can't, you're not a good player. You get a two and a half minute rest every four minutes. The whole game's changed. You can play as long as you want. So, first off, I just completely disagree with 40 minutes. If you can't play 40 minutes, you're not a good college basketball player. There's plenty of players that are not capable of playing full 40 minutes to the ability that they'd like to. And I guess I agree with him in theory a little bit with the Hughes thing where he touches on, and I don't think we have it in this segment that we just played, but he went on to say, Hughes played, if I sit him for two minutes, what is that really going to do? But let's face it, Tyler, the stats are there. At the end of halves, at the end of games, they've been crumbling because they're tired. This is what we've seen. The The proof is in the pudding. The stats are there, and I get what he's saying a little bit, but at the end of the day, there's no reason why they shouldn't go into the bench a little bit more. Just because Villanova has two players that are doing it doesn't mean that Jesse Edwards shouldn't be playing more minutes here and there. Doesn't mean that Bryson Goodine could spell Joe Girard a little bit. And they did that a little bit in the first half today. But the stats show you they're getting tired at the end. As the season has gone on, as more games have gone on, they're tired. And they're not playing well. They're not closing halves well. That's in the stats. And the the big stat that we even tweet about it on our account, at LO underscore Syracuse, if you want to give it a follow, is that... This team, for the entire season, today was the first time all year long where this team has hit a three-pointer in the final 90 seconds of the first half. Okay, That is mind-blowing stuff. That is mind-blowing. You figure you get two or three possessions, and in every single game this year, you had been 0 for 12 shooting a three-pointer entering this game, and you finally hit your first today? That's eye-opening stuff. That is unbelievable. You, you cannot dispute the facts like that, okay? When you have a rotation of six guys that you're running out there night in and night out, and you can't, and, okay, we've talked about the, the disparity at the end of games lately, too, with the second halves and how they crumble down the stretch there, and you, you talk about the games where they, they don't hit threes in the final 90 seconds. That's fatigue that is tired legs okay listen I get where Jim's coming from and this is maybe the generational disconnect here but these kids are playing more basketball than ever at at a competitive level when you look at the AAU circuits and stuff like that look at load management in the NBA there's a reason for this and I get that the NBA season is twice as long as the college season but there's a reason that there is load management. It's to, for the preservation of these legs. They have been so beaten and battered during these AAU circuits and stuff like that where you're playing sometimes two, three games a day. Yeah. And you're going full throttle. 
for these entire tournaments and these summers. The, I mean, basketball is a 12-month-a-year sport for these kids that end up playing at D1-level schools like a Syracuse. And when you look at, like in the case of Joe Girard, he's playing basketball and he's playing football. Those are the two most grueling sports you could put on your body in terms of the big sports that kids play growing up. So these kids are tired, all right? And, yes, there, there's a certain level of conditioning that is required to play college basketball. But at the same time, you are dead tired at the end of – I mean, I remember talking to even baseball players at, at the college level, and these aren't even D1 guys. These are D3 guys. And, and they're saying how at the end of their summer season, they can barely walk some days. And that's baseball. Sure. Can you imagine yeah. basketball when it's a 12-month-a-year sport? They're tired. They're tired. It's it's plain and simple. You can see it. The stats prove it. There's no reason they shouldn't be tired. And Jim talks about how, okay, yeah, we've won some of these close games, and we have closed out games. Look at when those games were. Those were earlier in the season. True. And that's when the toll is taken, and you get the payoff then. But look at the month of February. It's the end of the season that, A, the games just seem to mean more especially since they're in conference play, and B, on top of that, these, these are the games, too, where, okay, the, the miles have been on the car now, all right? You can't right. get those miles back. So this is a team that, that looks beaten and battered, and you can see it at the end of games, at the end of halves. The, there is a toll that has certainly been taken on, on how these kids are playing out there. And by the way, when you go back and look at that five-game winning streak where everything started to look good, well, guess what? They didn't really beat anyone very good. I know this is maybe a little bit hindsight bias, but at Virginia is the only team that maybe makes the tournament from those five teams you beat. And let's be honest, Virginia was not the Virginia team they are now. Thomas Wildetensai had not gone off and started playing like he is. They were not shooting the three well. They played bad in that game at home. Syracuse beat them in overtime. They had a good little stretch there, and I agree with Jim to an extent. They played hard this season. They've played hard, and that's part of why you're seeing the fatigue is because you've got six guys, and they are working their tails off every night. You cannot take a single thing away from what these kids have done because they they have maximized. I mean, mean, being from Chicago, I think of these as the Tom Thibodeau Bulls. These (laughs) are the guys that are, I mean, they are giving their all night in and night out, and, and you are juicing the hell out of these guys and you're seeing i mean you're getting down to the the very bitty bits of the pulp right now there's not much left to squeeze now two players that stand out tonight in terms of i will say quincy garrier had a good game 14 points 12 rebounds five of eight from the floor but the other two big men who normally are fighting foul trouble were in foul trouble again barama sadibe with the most barama sadibe game ever sadibe special once again Two points, one turnover, one for one from the floor, five rebounds, but he fouls out Tyler in 11 minutes. You know, five it's funny that you say that minutes. because I was going to text you at one point in the game. Because remember, there was a time where he only had like one foul. It's the and same I was thing you, every like, game. Look, everyone's out of foul trouble right now. Like maybe there's a chance that they can pull off this comeback and then boom, I step away. And two quick ones. I feel like this is me and Marcus Howard, all right? We talk about this on our other (laughs) college basketball podcast and how we never watch Marcus Howard play good games. It's like we are the blitz. I mean, whenever I watch Sadibe, he is never in foul trouble. And then I step away for 30 seconds and he's got three. 
It's it's crazy. I don't know how you can foul as much as he is. 17 of the last 18 games, he's had at least four fouls. Five of the last six games, he has fouled out. Syracuse has now lost five of its last six games. The sky is definitely falling. Dolajai fouls out as well. He has three points. He attempts one shot, 0 for 1. And this goes back to my original point. Against a physical and athletic Louisville team, even in the first half, when Louisville was up by seven at halftime, it felt like best-case scenario. You could just sense that run was coming. And Jim Beheim admits this after the game. They just don't have the horses to compete with a team like Louisville. They, they really don't. I mean, and yes, on paper, and, and you saw it play out last night, Louisville was the better team. All right. And, and that's not a surprise to anyone. I didn't see what the final Vegas point spread was, but we saw the Ken Palm projection and it was a double digit loss. So we kind of saw this coming. We, this is this result. The, the L that is next to Syracuse after this game is not surprising to you, I, or anyone else that's listening. It's the, the manner and, and how they fell flat in the second half for a team that, especially through the, this entire season, has never been blown out. I mean, okay, say what you want about that, that early Virginia game, but holding a team under 50 points is not getting blown out. It, it just isn't. No. And you, you look at everything that went wrong in this game, and it, it's, it was all across the board. I mean, you look at every phase of this game, and Syracuse just looked overmatched. Every phase. It was very clear from the get-go tonight. And you mentioned Ken Pomeroy. Jim Beheim had some words for Ken Pomeroy after the game. This is one I didn't see coming. And as someone who loves looking back at the Beheim rants, this is going to rank up there because he actually says a kindergartner knows more about Ken Pomeroy. Here's Jim Beheim. It's interesting. I love this. I don't know where this guy, he's making a lot of money, Ken Pom. But when you start putting in print, they scored 25% against the zone against Buddy and 25% against. This guy, I'm telling you right now, no one in this room, nobody that's doing Ken Palm knows who's at fault when somebody scores on us. No one knows. Not one person. To think that somebody knows who's at fault when somebody scores against our zone is the craziest thing. I've never heard of this until this year. I've been in this a long time. I think I know a little bit about this game. I've never heard, well, this guy's 25% responsible for this, and this guy's 35%. Are you kidding me? I'm telling you I could get a kindergartner who could tell you better than they can tell you. Oh, man. It's just Beheim being Beheim a little bit. You're going to have to retool that open, Tim. I mean, we've got some fresh content for you. I mean, everything, like, scrap, scrap the idiot stuff. I mean, we've got the, this entire, what was it, 13, 14-minute press conference, and we had some gems. We had some yeah. gems. It's been quite the year for him in terms of press conferences. He has not held back. At the beginning of the year, it was a lot of, we're, we're going to struggle to play against anyone. And then he kind of went after, went after Mike Waters. He did a little bit in this one. And Mike Waters, of course, from the Syracuse.com, long writer there, a couple weeks ago, he went after him about the Quincy Garrier situation. He has been all over the press conferences in rare form. Honestly, I don't even know what he's really even talking about. I guess the, the Ken Palm on the site, you can break down position by position in the zone, but it's not like that was floating around the ether or people were talking about it. 
I think I part what, of that was was a Matthew Gutierrez article that was written. It was the film breakdown, okay. and he kind of points fingers at times of who is responsible for getting uh, who's who's responsible for getting scored on. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah. That was just bizarre. It was Maybe bizarre, we need to, uh, and it's not. This isn't the first time Beheim's gone after reporters. It sure, sure as hell won't be the last time. <laughs> no, but Maybe. some of this seemed unjustified. Maybe we need to get Goody on again to uh, give his side yeah. of the story. Defend because, his horses. Yeah, and I know Goody was also writing about the tired game stuff, and he was not the yeah. only one, and he won't be right. the only one. He had a lot. Nor of should good he be the there. only one. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, our sound check for for this week. Where Jim Beheim an eventful one went off a little bit, ninety to sixty six. The final score: Syracuse is fourteen and twelve. They are below five hundred in ACC play, seven and eight overall. When we come back, Tyler, I kind of want to talk about next year a little bit. Maybe that's a little bit premature, and we will get into kind of recapping what went wrong in this game. Maybe a little bit later on in the week or later on in this podcast, but. I'm just ready to talk about next year because I've got some major concerns about how this thing could not be getting any better in the near future. So that's up next on Locked on Syracuse. A very angry episode at the moment. Heated. Because Syracuse and Jim Beheim has been angry in his press conference and sound check. We played you some of that. But 90 to 66 is going to leave a sour taste in your mouth. And it leaves an especially sour taste in my mouth, Tyler, because it's kind of the same things over and over. It's the lack of a post presence, the lack of a center, defensively and offensively, the lack of someone who is even 215 pounds or more. Quincy Garrier at 220 is the strongest player, the person that weighs the most on the Syracuse team, which is unacceptable for several reasons. But the thing that really concerns me is when you look ahead to next year, And maybe at a later date and time, we'll talk about whether Elijah Hughes is going to the draft. I'll spoil it a little bit. I do think he's going based on the hype that he's gotten a little bit lately. And just the fact that he is a fourth-year junior. You have to keep in mind that he transferred from ECU. He's already relatively old for what the NBA Not a lot of fifth years getting drafted. Yeah, exactly. And it's a late draft this year. There's a lot of reasons why he probably will go to the draft. So if you don't have Hughes next year, When you look at next year's roster, and I agree that Quincy Garrier is going to be good next year. I think he'll grow. I was very excited from what I've seen, even in the last couple games now. NC State, he played good. Louisville, last night, he played good. Buddy Beheim will continue to grow. Joe Girard, I'm a huge advocate for. I think he's going to have a great four-year career at Syracuse. But those are all backcourt players. The center problem is still going to be there next year. As of right now, they have no incoming center. I know they're after Patrick Tepe, the grad transfer from Columbia. If you don't get him, which who knows that they'll get him. I mean, on one hand, why would he come here? Because they haven't done a great job developing centers. We haven't seen one since Rakeem Christmas. But if you don't get him, the pressure is on to develop Jesse Edwards, maybe John Bullajac, because I just don't – I mean, we've seen what we're going to see from Sidibe, and that's what concerns me. They have a good backcourt. They're bringing a good backcourt back. They're going to get better. They're going to get more experience there. But I just don't think it matters because it's going to be the same problem next year. Well, here, here is my big thing is I am a firm believer that Jesse Edwards can take that step. Okay, and that's part of why 
I really? I'm more optimistic about what's to come cuz okay at the end of the day we can talk all we want about the this the Syracuse everything and their inability to have a big man at the end of the day it does it doesn't matter what level of basketball we're talking about here okay guards win guards and threes win okay i mean look in the nba look across college basketball right now those are the positions that are leading to winning teams even if you look at a team like Iowa, where they've got Luca Garza, yeah, he's elevating them, but Iowa's a good team, but where would they be in any other year? Okay, but you need an anchor in the 2-3 zone. You do need an anchor, especially when you play a specialty zone. But I, I feel confident enough in Jesse Edwards because I think he can refine that offensive game. We have seen bits and flashes of what he can be offensively. And to me, that has instilled enough confidence that maybe they do have uh, a big man. And we have zero clue what there is in John Bolajac. That is kind of the burning question for next season. But to be honest, I mean, w- what's the justification for, for Barama Sidibe getting all these minutes, especially down the stretch here? I agree. Where you've got five games. You're you're pretty much out of the tournament at this point. Okay? Why not develop a guy like Jesse Edwards the remainder of the season? It, it, this is the college basketball form of tanking, in a sense. Okay? Yeah. Because... You need to you need to find something, okay? I mean, you you your next class the there's no come to Jesus center that's going to be coming to the three one five for the 2020-2021 season, okay? That there that does not exist right now. You need to develop what you have and prove that you can develop a big man too. I mean, this has been a problem for almost half a decade now, a little over actually. I mean, this has been. What has plagued Syracuse? The inability to develop a big man. Daywan Coleman. I mean, that project went south. He, he was supposed to be this five-star recruit, and, and he certainly never panned out to be the, the five-star that he was. Part of Pascal injuries, Chukwu. But I agree. Uh, yes, no, absolutely. Pascal Chukwu. I mean, look what happened with him. You've got this seven-foot behemoth, and nothing happens. Nothing. I mean... You got essentially what you're getting out of Barama Sidibe, except three, four inches taller. This this has to end somewhere. You have to develop a big guy, especially when you need to rely on him at times offensively. I mean, Jim talked about it, too, after the game. We get nothing down low. He said that all year. And, and yeah, he, he really has, but he says... I mean, Marek, 0 for 1, turns the ball over. Quincy, I mean, he's been good, but he turns the ball over down low too. He, and Quincy's best when he gets his offensive rebounds and puts it right back up. Quincy is one of those guys who, what is he, six seven, six eight? He plays a little bigger than that, and you need guys like that. But at the end of the day, you need to develop a big man. I think Jesse's the way to go, and I, I have faith in Jesse. I really let do. Me, let me rebuttal you on that real quick because – You mentioned, and I'll preface by saying, I like Jesse Edwards. I think he was a good find, but he's a project. He's raw. And I think his offensive game is But he's a quick developing project, too. Potentially. I mean, the issue with me is his defense. I think he has a nice shot. He could have a pretty solid offensive game, which is an area they've lacked. But defensively has been the issue this year. And the other thing with Jesse Edwards, he's not that strong. He's not that big. When a John Mooney caliber Yeah, but most player, freshmen aren't that strong, aren't that big. Right, but, I mean, 
we need someone, Syracuse needs someone that is 230, 235, 240. No, I'm they're with getting, you. They're I'm getting bullied you. down there. And Edwards is not going to get to that point, not next year. I don't think defensively he's going to make enough strides, given how raw he was, given what we saw this year. I do think they should play him more minutes because you've got to get him to that point defensively. I mean, yeah, how do you know what you have if you're not even really trying? But And I get get the concern of wanting to play him, too. He's a freshman. Again, he's kind of a project. There are always the the rumors of, ooh, will will he redshirt this year because he's such a project? And he's kind of been thrust in the fire. And to be honest, I mean, how many times have you seen him get put out there and you think, hmm, I, I I can't watch this anymore. Exactly. All I'm saying is, can you close your eyes and visualize Jesse Edwards next year as an ACC starting caliber center, given what we've seen from him defensively this year? It is tough. It is tough, but... And if he doesn't get there, Sidibe's not going to improve too much. is still really skinny. It's going to be the same team next year. Maybe they are slightly better. Maybe they win some of these close games. But the bottom line is they're not going to get to the upper tier, even go up in the ACC compared to where they are. Because let's not forget, the ACC is way down this year. If it was a different ACC, they might have more problems. That is true. I, I, I do definitely agree with that. Listen, I, the thing is I see you've got a core of guards. It is rare to look at a core of guards that Syracuse has with Gerard and with Buddy Beheim and say, okay, they are at the crop of the top of guards tandems in the ACC. And guess what? They are freshmen and a sophomore. But so, that, to me, is what makes it so frustrating because I know they have that, but I don't know if it matters that much because they don't have that anchor in the 2-3 zone. And they have no one that's coming in next year to solve that unless – Edwards makes steps, or Bolajac, John Bolajac makes steps. And I don't think they can get that quickly. They can have that quickly of a timeline. And, uh, yes, I, I understand the concern there. And, yeah, you do need center play. But I I kind of trust, especially in a 2-3s defense, I kind of trust the fact that you have Jesse Edwards, who, who, okay, he can be exposed defensively at times and can get, get bullied. But at the same time, you don't. You can't really post up against a two-three's defense. It is so hard to post up against a two-three defense. And yeah, but you can when, get rebounds. Right, you do. And I, I trust the fact that Jesse can bulk up. I really do. I mean, he's got the frame to to be uh, one of the bigger guys. And listen, he's not going to be Zion Williamson level thick, muscular wise. <laughs> but but you don't need him to be. I mean, that's a rare breed. I just see Jesse Edwards as yes, okay, he is a pro- he is a project, and that's why you kind of brought him in. But he's been rushed into the fire, and I think he has exceeded expectations of what I mean. Some of our expectations for him this year is that he was not going to see the floor, let alone see some meaningful minutes in ACC play. And I kind of trust that process uh, of building him, and, and he seems different because he has shown the quickness and the flashes to actually maybe develop some sort of post-offensive game down low. Because right now, you need some offense out of your bigs. And and yeah. I trust Jesse, even right now, I trust Jesse Edwards amongst the, the true centers on this team to give you something offensively more than anyone else on the roster. That's kind of a sad state of where we're at, though, because he did have seven points last night it against is. Louisville. 
but it didn't look clean. It was all bunnies and even missed some short, or he almost missed some short layups. So I don't know. He's 216 pounds. He's got to bulk up, but we can talk about this center issue and next year more. Let's go more into what happened against Louisville and what's next this season on Locked on Syracuse. Syracuse to 14 and 12 below 500 in ACC play and on the fast track to the NIT for the second time in recent memory here. What Isn't is that crazy? I mean, yeah. we were talking about the other day how this is a team that, and, and this isn't necessarily just us talking. This is the athletic talking about how teams are afraid of Syracuse. Teams were afraid to play Syracuse in the ACC tournament. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. And the two things, or the one thing that those two NIT teams in recent memory have in common, they cannot get stops. Bad defense. The two worst defenses since Ken Palm has been tracking. It's really the only oh, two Oh, don't defenses. use Ken Palm. Yeah, no. I know. That's, that's a buzzword tonight. <laughs> He's making a lot of money, Ken Palm. But it's the only two defenses, those NIT teams, which I'm already counting this as an NIT team. Who knows? I mean, maybe they'll go to the CBI. I don't know what Beheim's mindset is on that. that That's not to say that they're not going to make it into the NIT. I don't know what they'll do. And I don't know where they're going to play that game because the Dome, John Wildhack said in a press conference that they're going to have to figure out if it's a home game, if they're going to be able to play it in the Dome because that construction and everything. Right. That's a whole other topic. It's sad we're discussing that with five games left in the season. But in Ken Palm defensive efficiency rankings, they've been inside the top 30 every year except for the two years counting this year in the NIT year before that. That's the biggest takeaway for me tonight. It was not getting stops once again. Right, and and this is my whole crumble versus choke argument, okay? Crumbling is kind of helplessness. You can't get stops. You can't get rebounds. I mean, it just feels like you're overmatched at times, whether it's fatigue, whether it's the the overall talent level on the floor, whereas choking is self-inflicted. These aren't self-inflicted things that it feels like that Syracuse is doing. I mean, there's just a limit to the talent defensively on the floor right now for Syracuse. I mean, look at the top of the zone. You're looking at what used to be Tyus Battle and Frank Howard or Tyus Battle and Buddy Beheim or Frank Howard and Buddy Beheim. Think about the length there. You've got guys who are at least 6'4", 6'5", at both top spots of the zone. Now you bring in Joe Girard, who's, what is he listed? Six foot? And that's Six probably one. generous, too? Yeah. Like, that that's what you're working with at the top of the zone. You are hampered there. But this team isn't choking. They're just crumbling. I mean, choking is turning the ball over and carelessness with the basketball. Well, they did do that last night, 13 yeah, turnovers. And they, they did. Had six in the first eight minutes. Right, exactly. I was going to bring up that that six because they flashed the graphic, and Louisville did a great job of taking care of the basketball last night as well. So when you're playing a top ten team that's not making mistakes, when the only mistakes they're making are missing shots, that's that's problem. You stand zero chance to win. You stand zero chance. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they've been good in terms of taking care of the basketball so far this year. I do think it's a little underrated the top of the zone and their lack of height there, as you touched on with Gerard, because that just makes it much easier to get into the high post, which makes it much easier to get it into the baseline cutting guy 
which makes it much easier to expose the back half of the zone. And that starts with the top. Part of what back. was really intriguing to me, and, and, and I'm sure if Beheim listens to this, he, he's going to be pointing fingers at us because we're, we're not kindergartners and, and we don't know who, who's at fault for the zone. But when you look at the top of the zone here, all right, the way that Louisville could cycle guys in and out of that top spot, and we kind of warned about this, they've got four guys who essentially are guards out there and their heights just vary. They have four guys at all time out there on the floor who can give you, who have guard level skill sets. I mean, Jordan Noir at the zone, and then he bullied his way down low to the post. That should never happen. You should never let that guy at the free throw line just get to the block with ease and then push around your 6'10", 6'11", center. It, that never should happen. Yeah. I don't know. When's Dior Johnson coming again? 2022? Oh. Is he we coming? Make it till then. Is he yeah. coming? <laughs> that's a, that's a big if. Gosh, they need that, and maybe they can put on a good show for Chance Westry when they play UNC at home next Saturday. At least, at least salvage that from this season a little bit. Because what's next for you? I I think play Edwards some, play Godine some. You got five more games. Get ready for the ACC tournament. Enjoy Elijah Hughes while you have him, because this could be the final stretch with him. Maybe get Dolzhai a little bit more confident offensively. They've shown growth in areas, and you want to be the best team you can be for the ACC tournament, but at this point, it's a different chapter of the season. You're now entering a chapter of, we can't make the tournament unless we win the ACC tournament. So let's start thinking a little bit about next year, and let's start playing maybe Jesse Edwards. If you're borderline playing him, throw him in there. Because like you said, what does he do that Sadibe does better? What does he not bring that Sadibe is bringing? I don't right. know. And listen, you've got a bunch of four-year guys on your roster right now. Look, I mean, look at Buddy. Look at Joe Girard. All, all your big guys, pretty much, are all going to be four-year guys. Why not get that group gelling? Get them gelling early in ACC play, okay? You've got a chance to, to really build something. I, I'm optimistic, and... It, and I saw a poll out there on the internet today. What are you more confident in? Syracuse getting to more bowl games or more NCAA tournaments over the next five years? And that's a topic I do want to discuss. Maybe We'll get to that maybe throughout later in the week. But yeah, I, you've got a core. There are pieces on this team. You've got two of the most talented guards in the league. And, and you've got building blocks to move forward with. It's just frustrating that because this is a team that, especially once we got to January, they looked like they were turning a corner. And you maybe had a chance at the NCAA tournament after a pitiful start to the season. Looked like there was maybe something there. But you've got five winnable games. Whatever those games mean to you the rest of the way, I don't care. I don't care if you try to play and sneak your way into the tournament. Go for I don't care. Develop. Develop this these younger guys because there is there are some of the most important pieces in this conference moving forward on this roster. Yeah, I don't know, man. I hope this is rock bottom for Syracuse. Didn't I it feel it like that Beheim technical? That was just kind of the cherry on top for the season. Yeah, that Beheim technical late second half. It was a game where a technical foul made sense. It, yeah, it, no, that I, whole game tonight, and that's what made it even more frustrating, it was pretty predictable. I mean, we kind of touched on how this could be the blowout. It started going. You could just feel it coming. And then it came 
And now here we are venting about what are the same issues that have been a problem for Syracuse for really two or three years now, which is the center position, lack of recruiting, a dip in recruiting, you name it. I mean, we, we can touch on it more this week because we'll be on every single weekday on Locked on Syracuse. Anything else that you want to vent about before we get I mean, out of here? You you called a, a double-digit victory. I said it, essentially a double-digit victory, but I thought Syracuse would sneak in the back door to make it single digits. Yeah. Uh, we we kind of hit it on the head of what we thought was going to happen, and then the wheels fell off, and here we are. Here we are. Syracuse staring the NIT straight in the mirror. 49 points in the second half for Louisville. They were up seven at the half. They win it 90-66. to 66. Syracuse's season is all but over. Five more games left. They have Georgia Tech Saturday. We'll maybe discuss that a little bit tomorrow on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. But that'll do it for this angry edition filled with Jim Beheim rants. Charged Tyler up. Rocky. Yes, very charged up. I'm Tim Leonard. We will talk to you guys tomorrow on Locked on Syracuse. Mm-hmm.